Welcome back to The Nobody's Project. This is a podcast where I interview creatives about how they're creative. Maybe their ruts, their inspirations, their their goals, anything that goes into the creative process. This week, we have a good friend, Jeff Chilton. He is a jazz musician who plays trombone, and his main project right now is JC Proof. Uh, He also plays in many other bands throughout the city and teaches jazz and uh, trombone as well. You can see Jeff on the 29th of May, Memorial Day weekend, at Mission Theater. Please go grab tickets and go see him. He's absolutely delightful on stage, and I hope you enjoy the conversation that we have. Thank you. This is season two of The Nobody's Project. Uh, We have Jeff of JC Proof and of many other things. Uh, We actually tried to do this one in season one, but my hard drive decided to... um, you know, act up and uh, not let me use the files. Yeah. So we had to scrap it for season two, which, uh, you know, life has a funny way of working like that. But I'm uh, I'm just thankful that you wanted to come back on. And uh, we've been working together more right. and more lately. And it's just made a lot of sense. So I, I actually sabotaged those hard drives because <laughs> we just talked about, you know, just too much ridiculous stuff. So we it had to go. I'm sorry about that. I yeah. never told you until now, of course. Yeah, maybe one day we'll, re- re- we'll release it as yeah. like a dark cut. <laughs> Uh, behind, you know, some paywall. Exactly. But, um, yeah, some paywall. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, I always like to ask first, uh, what do you do for money, and then what do you do for art? Nice. Um, <laughs> we got some peanut gallery chuckles here. Uh, what do I do for money? Um, I teach trombone lessons, and I do sectionals at the schools. So I go to Beaumont Middle School and um, Grand High School and Cleveland High School mostly. And, um, you know, of course, I play a lot of gigs and on the trombone that are pay varying amounts. So that's like a part of the pie, too. I do recording sessions sometimes. Um, I arrange for people. So I'll, like, arrange horn charts. So if somebody has a record that they want to record and they want, you know, three to five horns, trumpet, trombone, saxophone, berry sax, flute, they're like, hey, Jeff, can you notate out parts so I can get pros to come in and do it? Um, so there's just kind of, like, a lot of different jobs that are associated in the music world. But like for sure, my highest paying piece of my puzzle, or sorry, my pie is um, teaching. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then, uh, so that, so you're one of the, I wouldn't say few, but because we've had a lot of people on the show that like do get to do their art for their living. Yeah, for Um, sure. How does that blend into what you would call like your art? Because I would assume more of your art is your, it's not the te- it's sure there's art and teaching. Yeah, I guess the question is, let's say I was independently wealthy or I was able to create a patronage system with my main project, JC Proof, that paid for all of my living expenses and fun expenses. So I didn't yeah. have to do anything else. What would I do then? And the answer is I would still teach. I would still have a private studio. I might be a little bit more discerning about who I let in it, you know, (laughs) and like I have great students. I really do. And they inspire me. And I've always been a teacher. My dad's a music teacher. My aunt's a music teacher. They both went to Crane School of Music in upstate New York. My brother went to Crane School of Music in upstate New York, which is like a big teaching school. I did not go to Crane. I went to Ithaca. I broke the mold, the black sheep of the the artsy black sheep of the family. (laughs) Still going to art school. Still going to music school, just a different one, you know, but um, it's like definitely something that I've always done since I was like, I remember being on the 
bus in elementary school and I would help somebody with their math homework, you know, and I yeah. just enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed showing people the route through their problems and like trying to see them build skills. So it's definitely a passion of mine too, teaching. Yeah. And like one thing that we talked about a lot at Ithaca was the artist teacher. And it's the concept that, you know, passing on skills and inspiring young people is as much a part of an artistic practice as the performance itself. And so that is very much my viewpoint. I, you know, I love to perform in the world to adults and help them party, help them celebrate, maybe push some boundaries artistically. But the flip side of that is engaging the next generation of artists and your next generation of audience members, you know, and showing them why music is so cool because like I do make somewhat sophisticated music like it's not art music I would say with JC Prove it's definitely funk pop jazzy funk pop but you're going to enjoy it more if you know a thing or two about music so part of being a teacher is trying to raise the bar of the musical ears in the population so that there's a higher level of enjoyment of more sophisticated music in general yeah. yeah, I love that. I mean, and that's also a huge reason why the Nobody's Project exists is to pass on that mm. knowledge, get that community going. But uh, I think I would I would be very similar. Uh, I played soccer all growing mm -hmm. up, and uh, I really found a love for coaching. Right. And then the idea of passing on my passion for soccer that you know has helped me out right. to to the next generation was something that really really stuck with me. Yeah, I also feel like you know one thing that I'm trying to do with my music is break free of some of the confines of our society and our reality or the way that we perceive reality in a psychedelic sense. And what teaching allows me to do is, <laughs> you know, like kind of get in front of young people and surprise them or maybe try to like throw a couple cracks in the way that they think the world works and what they yeah. think reality is and like don't tell their parents but like i'm secretly trying to poison their minds so that they'll all <laughs> tune in drop out or turn on tune in drop out not in a drug related sense yeah, but yeah. in like a wait the world is whatever we make it we yeah. literally everything we see started as a piece of imagination inside someone's mind it's not real we make it real and yeah. like we have the ability to manifest anything that we want to and like if we can just dream it it can happen you know yeah so yeah. i want to like spark that as much as i want to teach them how to play trombone <laughs> yeah get, get the imagination going because i i can totally see where you're coming from in the sense that a lot of the school system is well they're cutting arts cutting all that stuff yeah is they're not letting you think independently i wouldn't say not think independently but have that ability to kind of what you said break free and do whatever right you want and have that imagination to be like oh maybe i can use this instrument as my whole living yeah totally which which uh i wish i found out like i wish i had a camera when i was younger where right. i was like oh i can use this little instrument in my even for me and that can make my living and that can do all this stuff if i push the boundaries do weird stuff yeah like well and you know it's kind of a, a false pretense make a living get by survive sure, yeah. contribute to society like i'm sorry we did the thing we have mass produced food we're building ai technology that's going to do everything for us like yeah. every single layperson's job that has existed throughout history has been slowly replaced by technology and that's just going to increase in the next hundred years so i don't know why we have to try so hard to work like I, I work every day 16 hours on my passion so don't get me wrong I'm not lazy in any stretch but I don't work just for the concept of like propping up some society that says that if I don't do this I'm not valuable like we need UBI because we can create that and then people can work in the way that 
is most interesting to them, which will create a more beautiful society because people are actually following what they want to do instead of what they're being told to do. So they're going to be more productive, more efficient, more innovative with those sorts of things. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they're doing what they actually want to do opposed to the things that people are are telling you, you have to do this in order to live winging reality. To live, it's just, you know, shelter, food, community. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is I, I would love for, I mean, I would love to be hopeful, but uh, I'd love to see a society where sure. you can just work on your passions and everything else is taken care of. Is that likely to happen? No. no. And I mean, not, you know, I'm not unfortunately. a full idealist. I am 30. Yeah. So <laughs> part of me has died in the last decade for sure. <laughs> But, you know, I think that it's the goal. And we have to remember as a society what the goal is. Like, yeah. is the goal to just work mindlessly and tirelessly to, to the grave? Profits. Right. Like, yeah. that's not the goal. The goal is to build a society that distributes resources in a fair and even way to everyone and inspires people to be the best version of themselves, yeah. not a money conduit, sexualized, fat, like, you know what I mean? Like our society is completely backwards. It literally encourages the worst parts of who people are. You know, it's, uh, it takes so much strength to swim against the current of our world. Yeah. And, uh, uh, take this for a nice transition on the opposite side of (laughs) that, uh, JC proof, JC proof and, uh, the live shows especially, but the music in general is pretty much doing that the opposite of that right getting people like you said in <laughs> yeah the, in the making beginning. funny indie funky jazzy music yeah and uh trying to have a good time with it yeah and so i'd love to know like where jc proof came from mm. what it's obviously not the first band you've ever created right like, i'd love to hear like your jeff's the origin, origin story, story yeah of, for like, sure how we got there yeah um well, one of the biggest reasons that I went in 100% on JC Proof. So first of all, I'm Jeff Chilton. So I am JC. And then the proof is both the art that we make. It's the members of the band. And it's the audience and the people who support us. We are the proof. I love how it's everything. It's, it's not, everything. It's not the band and then yeah. you get to be part of it. It's you're all part of yeah, it. Yeah, we're all the proof. You know, you're in the proof. It's in the yeah. proof. That's one of our songs, actually. And... um Yeah, so it actually sort of speaks to what I was just saying. Like, the proof of what I just said is us doing it. You know, are are we able to swim against the current and, like, follow our passions despite the obstacles that we face? Um, But where my origin story is, you know, I was from upstate New York, and I grew up in a farm town, um, sort of isolated from everybody else. I didn't have a car. I spent a lot of time by myself, even though I'm a very social person. I had a lot of time. Um, in the forest, staring up the <laughs> pond that was on my property. Very fortunate yeah. to grow up like uh, on a 44-acre old farm. We didn't farm it, but it was yeah. it was like had fields and a pond. So I would spend a lot of time yeah. walking, communing with nature, and doing music stuff because I was bored to tears. And my dad was like, "A musician can never be bored because you can always practice." <laughs> and I was like, "All right, Dad." You know, so here I am learning guitar, singing, playing trombone. And um, I graduated college, and you know, all my friends were moving to New York City. And I was like, yeah, I grew up alone on a farm. I cannot move to New York City. <laughs> that is the most anxiety-producing, stressful thing I could think of. So instead, I hopped on cruise ships, played trombone for two years on cruise ships, traveling That's around, right. discovering myself, discovering the world, <laughs> burning my skin on some beaches in Aruba. And um, sounds <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Sounds terrible. No, yeah. that was an incredible experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and definitely meeting people from all over the world yeah. was awesome. And and then I was like, okay, it's time to come back to the states. You know, I need to be home in my own country where um, where I can really put down roots as an artist. 
And so I took a backpack, a guitar, my trombone, and I took the train across the country and I moved to Portland, Oregon. And I've been here ever since because I just found a very supportive artistic community that had some more of the ideas that I was saying earlier in our, in our conversation. I feel like people really get that here. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have to work so hard to maintain that ethos because right. the people around me are a similar mindset. And yeah. um, it's just helpful, you know, because it's hard when you're the only lily pad in the pond that's doing that thing, you know, and everybody's trying to pull you down. But here, there's a whole bunch of other lily pads doing their thing, being yeah. beautiful, and it's very inspiring. So that's why I love Portland. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's, uh, you know, part of the reason I made the Nobody's Project was mm -hmm. because I felt like I was, you know, as you to use your analogy, a lily pad, but there was no other lily pads around. Right. And uh, as I've just started making my own community, I realized that I'm dipping into, oh, there's a lily pad there. Right. And then, All oh, sudden, I dip into the jazz, like, funk area. Oh, there's tons of tons of lily pads over there. And then I dip into, like, the photography, tons of stuff over there, and I realize that it's all there. And Portland is so easy right. to to once you get in. that I think the hardest part would be to get here, get in, and start meeting people because it doesn't just – if I start taking photos, people don't just come up to you and be like, oh, do you want to – Come yeah. do it with us. I'm sure the same thing. You're not just playing your saxophone down and downtown, and somebody's like, "Oh, you want to be part of our community?" So you got you got to put in some work in there. You do have to put in work to to network and meet people. Although I will say, when I visited Portland, one of the reasons why I moved here is because I met a guitarist at a jam session, and then he was like, "Do you want to come busk play on the street downtown with me tomorrow?" And so I did. And then we made a friendship, and that was the first band that I was in in Portland called right. the Afternooners. So there was a little bit of that just playing on the street downtown energy. I mean, you said you went to a jam session. I did go to the jam session So you first. put in the work a little bit. With yeah. my plastic trombone. It's called a P-bone. It's a purple plastic trombone because I didn't have my metal bone. No, it's not the one hanging on the wall over there. <laughs> That's another story behind that one. We can get into that later. I have many trombones. I think I have six. Okay. Um, I don't use them all. But anyways... Um, so I had my plastic purple trombone, which when you move the slide goes, <laughs> and I'm at this jazz jam session, trying my best to not sound like an idiot. But, you know, uh, Alex Mejia was there, shout out, because we struck up a conversation and we actually became kind of best friends while we was here. Uh, he, he lives in New York now, so he, he bailed right. on the West Coast to do the New York thing. Um, but he was a big reason why I moved to Portland, because I was like, wow, this person's here. They were so friendly. You know, I made that connection right away but yes i certainly was very willing to put boots on the ground yeah. and get into irl you know not just on the internet dming people like you got to show up in real places and be able to have a conversation and look people in the eye and get a bit of jam session and sound like an idiot maybe <laughs> you know but yeah. another idiot's like oh i'm trying to not sound like an idiot too like let's yeah. be friends yeah let's be idiots together let's be idiots <laughs> together ah the yeah. beginning of every project ever yeah right <laughs> uh i'd love for you to talk even more about uh kind of the ethos mm -hmm. of JC Proof and the music that you play. And especially, I'd love for you to go into like what you try to bring to live shows. Totally. Uh, I've been, you were just on stage with us. I was just on stage with you yeah, guys. Yeah, so super we had Marky shooting live camera footage yeah. at our last show, so which fun. was the first time we've ever had camera on stage, which I love because it's just a cool energy. I've always enjoyed seeing that actually at shows, you yeah. know, the, the backstage camera person. And uh, anyways, good vibe. Um, the music that we write in JC Proof, so most of the songs are mine, but you know it's a collaborative project. We have some other songwriters that come in, and then we we all add the proof element to every song. So you know I come in with a chord progression and some lyrics, but we really you know flesh it out and figure out the sound together. So mm -hmm. it is very collaborative. Um, when I br write music, I don't necessarily think about what 
I'm going to write about, I would say that music for me is therapeutic. So if I'm dealing with something current or I could pull up something from the past that maybe I need to deal with or think about or meditate on, um, or maybe I just sit down at the guitar or the piano, those are my two composition instruments, and explore sandbox mode until I find a sound that resonates with me and then I'll follow that and then that might trigger an emotion which leads to a story from my life or an observational story about the world and then I follow those threads and I see whatever comes out of it but for JC Proof specifically once the songs are composed I have to choose which ones to bring to the proof because they don't all fit the proof and so I think this speaks to what you're asking which is like why would I choose this song to come to the proof as opposed to that one mm-hmm. and what I think JC Proof is specifically is it's a little bit of a genre because we, we do lean into the jazzy funk pop yep. and, and a little bit of jam like we like to stretch out when we're playing live take solos get a little psychedelic um, and then also have funky grooves with pop hooks so oh, yeah. the song has to meet that criteria. I, I can sometimes write a little bit too singer-songwriter on my guitar, which I, I like those songs, but they don't belong in the proof. Yeah. Um, and then if I think about the content of the songs, certainly when I was first starting out with the proof, I wanted to write uplifting music that is offering people a an avenue to better themselves, better their lives, and enjoy this moment. So like this song, DM, you can make that feeling. You know, that song is about the idea that you have the power to create your own happiness, you know, and obviously that's easier said than done, but the whole idea is when we do DM together live, we can do it right then because we're all together, we're singing it, and we're joined in that moment. There's the proof. That's the proof right there. So like that song is a tool to try to help people in a moment. Um, the song why on the other hand is more along the lines of what I was saying before where it's like about an emotion that I'm dealing with and coping with therapeutically that song why is about the people who have helped me in my life mostly the women in my life my mom and like partners along the way who have made me who I am and very from my perspective very altruistically like and why why do they do that you know why did they save me I don't understand why. And also the concept of everyone that you've ever met who's ever helped you that you've loved will, some of them have already gone in my life and they all will. So it's like about that. So I would say my, my songs kind of are one of the two. They're either an avenue to help you live your best life and enjoy this moment in the live show, or it's a story about my experience in the world or perhaps something that I've seen in the world. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, DM is also one of my favorites. Nice. The, Thanks, man. You can dance, you can dance. Yeah. It's like it's you can dance, you can dance. it's the one that especially after I was on stage with you, I was humming that for like two days later, just like you can dance, you can I really love the hook on that one. Nice, brother. Um Yeah. Uh and then being at the show, even though I was focused a lot on the uh you know, filming you guys, right. uh something I noticed is just the crowd and mm-hmm. how involved they are with you. And is it when you go to write songs, not less so lyrically more musically do are you trying to get i assume it goes from song to song but getting people to dance yeah uh, absolutely we want people to dance at our shows yeah i think that's why we decide not to be a jazz band because as much as i love listening to music i am a dancer myself like when i go to shows i like to move my body and so i just want to make music that lets people do that too because i think that dancing is the physical visual representation of sound you know, yeah. so when people are dancing at a show, they're playing the music with you, and their instrument is their body. 
Yeah. Um, so that's definitely part of the music that we write for sure. And I think with the live shows, you know, I grew up being involved in theater. So I was on stage all four years of high school. I was the, I did Titanic and I was the little <laughs> dit, dit, da, dit, da, dit, that guy. So I forget his name. And then I was the scarecrow sophomore year. And then junior year, Christ, I was Jean Valjean of Les Mis, but my voice could not handle it. And there's... Um, <laughs> Tiger from Molly's loving that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a great musical, but I was very pubescent and there is a b-roll on the dvd that at the time the woman who took the video of that musical was my girlfriend's mom and she did all the editing and she put a five minute video together of just me cracking during performances (laughs) because i just really didn't know how to use my voice and i didn't have proper vocal training and it's a hard part and i did a great job come on (laughs) but anyway so that's out there somewhere i don't know i don't even know if i have it and then senior year we did ragtime and i was uh, something that so yeah it was good good stuff so, oh, so anyways, that is to say that I love interacting with the audience. Like, I'm not the kind of musician who just wants to sit there and do my music. Like, I want to have an energy exchange with the audience. That's actually what I like about being on stage yeah. is the audience interaction. That's really important to me. Yeah, and I've talked to other musicians uh, before. Uh, are you somebody, you kind of talked about it. I, I'm always interested if you get still get super nervous on stage or if it's something i think when i talked to bradley it was more i go on stage i black out and then i just like i'm and then i'm just come down from it how or, many shots does he take yeah. before he goes on <laughs> no I uh, yeah so how are you with like do you have any stage fright horrible anything? stage anxiety and stage fright debilitating <laughs> yeah so you're surprised I it am. is yeah. better with the proof because first of all i'm not up there alone yeah. And we've worked on it and I know what to do and I've done it a lot of times. So I don't get more than just like a little bit of butterflies. Yeah. But if I'm doing anything that's out of my comfort zone, I get cotton mouth, like right. I'll be really, really stressed out. I don't perform to what I would say is my abilities. And I've always had that. Like I remember being in middle school going to a solo competition, hyperventilating, and my mom's like trying to give me some breath work exercises to calm down. Interesting. And it's just something I've always dealt with. And the only antidote for me is being prepared. And I think that is why I am so diligent with my practicing. And like before shows, especially with new songs, you know, I'll be like running it in my head alone, like in the tiny house in front of the window, which is the only mirror I have, like practicing it because I will freak out when I get on stage. And so I need it needs to be muscle memory. Interesting. That's, That's fascinating just because you look so natural. And you look like you're just, I mean, I'm sure you are having a great time, but you look like you you could live on stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of both because once I start and it's an activity that is prepared and I feel confident yeah. on, the nerves do go away. So like with JC Proof, since we've done it a lot, I still get nervous leading up to it. But once we start, I'm fine. Okay. And that's because okay. everything, that makes more sense. yeah. So like everything flows at that right. point. But if you ever get me to like do uh, something on just me and a guitar, I'll yeah. be like, guh, guh. you know, like even when I went to your talent show thing yeah. and I was thinking about what I would do, 
Yeah, in that's my, what I was going to ask In you. my head, freaking out about having to do just me and a guitar like Bradley did because yeah. I would get so nervous to the point where I'd barely even be able to function. Mm-hmm. But that's because I'm less confident on the guitar. Yeah. Like, I'm not really a great performing guitarist. You know, it's a yeah. private instrument for me. Interesting. You know, whereas with the proof, I'm singing. I've done that a lot. And I'm playing trombone. I've done that even more. So I, ha- I just have a lot more to fall back on, which yeah. helps my nerves. But I'm not like a person who doesn't have nerves. I would say the opposite. Oh, interesting. Um yeah, I, th- I think that's healthy because even like uh, for me, it's I get really nervous about it. And then as soon as it starts, yeah. it all goes away. It's all fun. Right. Like uh, when I had to go up for the talent show, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was incredibly nervous right before I would get on. But as soon as I like started talking, it was fine. Even like driving here, I was like, I felt a little nervous. I mm-hmm. felt a little. But then once we start going. Yeah, it's, of course. It's completely fine. But um, I always love asking this question. What was your worst, like, creative rut that you've been in? Are you currently in it? How'd you get out of it? Hmm. That's a great question. Ah, man, the worst creative rut. I would say, believe it or not, the two years that I spent working on the cruise lines was not a very creative period for me because I was... I don't know. I was uninspired in a way because I was trapped in this tiny little room, this cabin with a dub with a bunk bed with somebody from New Zealand who was actually a really cool guy. But it was just like <laughs> such close quarters. It was hard for me to get inspired. There was nowhere where I could go to be by myself. Yeah. You could go to the f- drive me crazy. Man. Yeah, exactly. And as an artist, you know, you really need time alone with your thoughts to sort of process it and experiment and when the only space to practice was in the front of the ship where the crew would just come walking in with mops and other stuff while you're trying to practice and you'd hear the waves crashing on it. I mean, very cool, right? Like a very yeah. surreal, different like a experience. brooding artist kind of thing. Yeah, right? I just couldn't get into it, though, you know, because it wasn't my space. And, um, you know, yeah, so that was not super creative. I did write one song, though, on that journey that I still really like and we actually ended up making a music video of it in Ithaca when I got back but I wasn't I wasn't going anywhere I wasn't building you know I was just traveling and I was playing trombone full-time so I was making it you know if that's your (laughs) definition oh I was the only job I had was playing trombone but I'd rather do what I do now which is be a part of a community teach play shows blah 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 you know I do a lot more different I do a, a lot more things now but because of that, I feel more creative and more activated and more um, productive than I did yeah. on the ship. Uh, what about just writing songs, anything like that? Do you feel pressure to create more songs or practice in that sense of like mm-hmm. the actual creation process and like just writer's block, any ruts like that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm kind of in that right now in the sense that I spend so much time doing admin stuff, booking the band, organizing rehearsals. L- checking calendars, showing up to gigs, sound checks that I don't have a lot of space in my life to write and just be creative. Um, And I was really hoping that winter would give me more time to do that. And it has given me a little bit of time, but it's so freaking hard to prioritize that. Yeah, 100%. It's like prioritizing downtime, you know, because it's not downtime, it's creative time, but you need to block it in your schedule the same way you do other work. And the problem is, is I just don't have a schedule. And so I just like 
have two hours and I think, what should I do? And then the most anxiety producing things are not write a new song. The most anxiety producing things are you need to book the rest of that tour that's coming up in two months. You need to get a new van so that you can drive your band there. You need to schedule this sub because you have to teach them two hours worth of material that they don't know for this one gig that your drummer can't make. There's so much stuff to do before I could think about practicing trombone writing a new melody you know so i really struggle making that the priority yeah uh couldn't relate to that more where i i feel like i have so much stuff going on and i'm constantly doing stuff mm -hmm. but i i really struggle and it's something that somebody suggested to me like literally putting your schedule like hour totally. relax yeah like don't do anything mm -hmm. this is your two hours to just not do anything there's an amazing john cleese video you know the guy from faulty towers and um What's the God? What's the even more famous show that he did? Uh, you know it, right? Oh, yeah. Faulty Towers is when he's in the hotel. But uh, anyways, John Cleese, he's the lanky British comedian. He has this great talk about setting aside creative time and how like if you want to be creative for 30 minutes, you need to set aside an hour because the first 15 minutes is going to be you settling into the moment. And yeah. get it's almost like a meditation because you have to let all the daily things go so that you can yeah. tap into the infinite conscious of your creativity. You 100%. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, Molly, our photographer here, uh, could not relate to that more. That when we work on nobodies, we were like, all right, we're going to work on this for three hours. Right. The first half hour to 45 mm -hmm. to an hour, we're going to be fucking shooting the shit. Right. Not fucking working at all. Which is part of it. Yeah, which which does aid in part of it because if you go, we're just going to work. It's not fun to do yeah. it that way. You, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, that and way. that's something that JC Proof has struggled with because when I first started the project, I wanted really good players, but the really good players are really busy. So I wanted to value them by keeping rehearsals really professional and keeping them short and keeping them limited in the number of rehearsals we would have but then we weren't, didn't have that community building aspect to the band and it's taken a long time for everyone to be more on board to the point where they're like yeah we'd rather have a longer rehearsal where we can shoot the shit for the first 30 minutes we'd rather meet every week so that we don't have to work so hard at it because there's more to being in a band than just rehearsing the music like it is a vibe you know yeah. and i we're at that point with this last year with all the touring that we did where we got there and that was really important and i think the audience sees that too and they're able to connect with your music more yeah no it definitely comes through um another one uh love to ask is sure. do it maybe a song or even a music video or anything that you've created that maybe you were really psyched on and the reception just wasn't there and maybe the crowd just wasn't feeling it the way you thought they were do you have any yeah. projects like that i mean for sure the first EP that we put out with JC Proof is more jazz fusion. It's like instrumental jazz fusion. Sure. And I love those tracks. We actually are going to play them at a jazz gig that we have in Vancouver at the end of the month. And we do play those songs once in a while when we have a jazz specific gig where it's like, hey, we want you to do a jazz set, not a dance set. Um, but without a doubt, nobody gave two shits when we put out that music <laughs> and we made this dope music video with dan kaplan who is amazing and is actually going to do a music video with us for motion picture which will is one of our pop songs that lucas yeah. wrote which is going to be awesome um and we had so much fun making this music video with dan on film like actual yeah, film yeah i've and seen the you saw the video great, yeah i love that video it's so like 70s and it's slow pace and it's like sort of predictable narrative archetypes and the visuals with the film 
And, you know, we even got a vortex right up on that. But I think there's still only 270 views on that video, which is so low relative to the amount of work that we put into it. But I don't really care because that's the difference about when you're making it for you and when you're making it for other people. Like those songs were really just for us and for our own compositional exploration. Whereas now I do have other things in mind when I write the music. Oh, I'm writing DM because I want to make your life better. So yeah. I'd expect people to Yeah, that proof part where everybody's yeah, a part exactly. of it. Yeah, exactly. So no, it I just happens. That. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the biggest part of that is like what you mentioned, is creating it for you. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not well received, you're gonna learn something from it. And you know, it's for you. And I think it's important for artists to make stuff that is for them because at the end of the day, you're the artist. You know, and Wynton Marsalis said he's like all music. Somebody was asking him if jazz musicians play for themselves or for the listener. And what he said was jazz musicians are always playing for the listener, but the first listener is the player. Oh, I love that. So I'm still playing for the audience. It's just that I'm the one hearing it first before you guys hear it. And I so I'm making it for myself. If I like it, then that's good enough. Yeah. You know, if I don't, well, then I maybe then I shouldn't make it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I am totally going to steal that mindset when i'm doing like photography and stuff totally there is this thing where you maybe shoot something and you go well i think other people would like this right but the first barrier should be you and your part yeah. of the audience and I, I really really do i mean that. otherwise you're never going to find your own sound or your own aesthetic yeah you know if you're not listening to your your true self so it is a balancing act because you know i also believe that art serves a function and i do want jc proof to serve a function can we make people have an enjoyable moment can we help them dance can we give them music to soundtrack their moments with and i want it to serve that function so i am thinking about other people but if i let go of my own desires and aesthetics too much then it just becomes generic blah yeah (laughs) yeah um so shifting into kind of some of the live shows and you Mm -hmm. talked about some of the admin stuff yeah um kind of necessary evils uh totally I tend to want to talk about how social media and getting people mm-hmm. to go to your shows, how does social media play into JC Proof and you making music? Obviously, in a perfect world, we don't have to use any of that stuff. It's all word of mouth, but it's kind of, like I said, a necessary evil. So how does Instagram... People need to know about a thing or else they're not going to know about it. So yeah. it's it's weird like that. I was just complaining to Jackie today, my partner. I was like, it's been two days and I haven't had a story on the JC Proof Instagram. Ah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so yeah, necessary evil for sure. But I try to have fun with it. Yeah, you know? for sure. And at the end of the day, I used to feel really weird about self promotion. You know, I I currently do because yeah. I because I'm just starting it in but the then, sense of like for the live show and stuff. Totally, it's a weird feeling to ask people to come to something or to yeah, it's like a weird guilty, but it's not guilty because it's yeah. like no, I think you'll actually enjoy this. Exactly, like, I want if you to you come to this. Think that they will actually, you know, I think the 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 goal is to work on the thing enough so that you really believe in it because then it's easy to promote it to yeah. people. You're like, no, this is a really cool thing. This is worth your time, and I want you to know about it. And also, you know, the thing with self promotion is people are going to come or they're not, whether they see your promotion five times, 10 times, a hundred times, like they're still choosing whether or not to come. You're never forcing yeah. somebody to come. You're just making sure that they remember. Yeah. That so they're aware. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to think about it too much. And, you know, we try to have fun with the social media. We're not, we're not like making hilarious viral reels like we should be, you know, <laughs> and maybe one day we'll get around to that sort of thing where yeah. we're really killing it. But, you know, we, 
we're fortunate to have a community of people who will come and take video or like snap some photos and send them to us after the show so that we don't have to kill ourselves to get interesting looking content to keep things current and keep it going. You know what I mean? I think that's the community element. Yeah. Um, and going uh, forward on that with uh, obviously going to a couple of your shows, you guys usually have a pretty strong following. How does having a following affect like uh, even like your ego and anything mm. about that? Like people who will come to most of your shows and they that are big fans of your work. I mean, it makes me a lot less scared the day of the show when I'm like, is anybody going to come? <laughs> you know, because yeah. when you when we first started, I remember the very first show we did at Alberta Street Pub and we were opening and there's nobody in the room and you've n never done a live show before and the band hasn't rehearsed enough. There's just so much fear, you know, yeah. and now the band sounds great. There's going to be people there. Maybe it's how full of a house, who knows, but there's going to be people that'll come. It just makes it a little bit more relaxed, which makes the music better. As far as ego goes, I am way too grassroots to have any amount of ego. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> like... I'm always going to be self-critical of the project and my own art. And I just always feel like I have so much room to grow as a performer and in execution on the trombone and on the voice. And I'm very particular about the band. And I, there's so many things with the band that I could always hear that could be tighter or more interesting. So I have a hard time believing that it would ever go to my head. I think I'm too self-critical for that sort of thing. Yeah. Are you a perfectionist in yeah. how you do stuff? I mean, I think most creatives are. You kind of have to be. Their thing. Yeah, I sort and I let that go because I recognize that it's not about being perfect, but perfection is always the goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's an unattainable goal and that is one reason why I didn't pursue classical music and it's why I didn't pursue art jazz. It's why I pursue funk, like poppy jazz because I didn't want it to be perfection or bust. You know, I want it to be as close to what I would consider perfect, but also believe that it's imperfectly perfect. Love it's like good enough, you know, yeah. to do. Um, it still does the job. Yeah. Uh, Is that a cop out? I don't know. No. I have to think more about that. Uh, no, I won't hold you to that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, how does like, like you said, giving you the confidence to go back on stage where, you know, people will be there. Yeah. Do you have uh, how does imposter syndrome play mm. into uh JC proof or just you in general. Yeah. No, once again, something that I've kind of grown out of certainly yeah. starting the band. I felt that way. And I, I still feel like an imposter, especially when you sit in or when you're in other musical circles that you spend less time in mm -hmm. where people know you less. Yeah. And I don't you know. kind of feel like you have to prove yourself, but you like, do I have to prove myself? Like, I shouldn't have to feel that way, but it's a natural human thing to be like, no, no, I, I deserve to be here. Dude, it's so hard. I remember one time sitting in with um, some killing players at the 1905 who I just like love their playing. Yeah. And I think they're some of the best in the Portland jazz scene, the young Portland jazz scene. And I was like just sitting in or whatever. And I was so stoked because I love their playing. And, um, you know, I turned to the guy and I was like, hey, man, like it's an honor to get to sit in with you. And we're like the same age. And he was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean it's an honor? He's like, you're a good trombone player like I'm we're just this is a casual thing like to him it was just another day at the gig right, and yeah. this person that he knows is sitting in cool whatever I'll play a shorter solo because we have a sit in and for me I was like oh my god like I'm so right. I can't believe I'm sitting next to people who I think are so much better than me and it's like you gotta just turn those voices off because they'll never go away and you can't turn them off but I think that what the best thing we can do in life is um, use our willpower to, to control where we put our attention because yeah. whatever you put your attention on gets fed and gets bigger and louder 
and you you that's the only thing you can control you can't control the feelings you have and the voices and what they say you can only decide what to focus on that's all the power we have you can focus on your breath you can focus on your art you can focus on the image of you being a powerful creative being who is worthy of love and attention like you can think about that and those voices will become quieter by comparison that's all you can do i love that yeah uh but i I love the bit about you saying it's an honor to somebody who (laughs) it's it's like it's another day i remember even at the live show uh I think me and Molly were back in the green room talking to the comedians uh, just uh, t- and uh, for me being a huge fan of comedians and Amani and Jaring are hilarious yeah, people. Yeah, they rock. Yeah, uh, it was like surreal for me to be like, oh, I'm like sh- shooting the shit with two comedians who I find hilarious. Right. And uh, it was like almost to the same bit. I was almost like, man, it is just an honor to just like be in that environment with you. And that's it's just so interesting, that perspective shift. Yeah, because to them. You know, and you could even blow that up to extremely famous people. Like, they're just people. People are just yeah. people, you know. And when you're acting all fanboy weird, it's impossible to have a normal interaction with you then. So it makes me not want to have an interaction with you. if, Or it makes them not want to have an interaction with you. And, like, that's why I never have this, like, idols, um, this idolization thing. Like, I, no matter who the artist is, I don't really place them on a pedestal, per se, anymore. I think after yeah. the experiences I've had. Um, because... I just want to interact with people as people. And I also believe in sort of um, like a a, a different version of society where there's not like alphas per se, where it's like people step up and step back. So if you are, if there's like a famous person who crushes at this one thing, they are the best at that thing and they deserve to be on a pedestal within that thing. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they're done doing their thing, they're just exactly the same as you and me. Right. And I think that's one of the biggest issues we have in our society and like why we freak out when famous people are found out to have done something wrong and then all of a sudden it's like they're canceled and we like hate them and we can't even listen to their art anymore it's like maybe if we just realize that every single person is a person no matter how good they are at one thing then we wouldn't be so freaked out when we learn about the dark side of their nature yeah no yeah Uh, i think that as you grow as well, I think it's a personal development thing is when you realize that, you know, you're not, I hate to say it, like not, you're not special. You're like everybody, you have commonality with everybody else. And you realize that like, for example, for me, it was like, Oh, I had a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then I heard for some reason that when it broke, it was like, Oh, Bo Burnham talked about how he had crippling, who doesn't, (laughs) who had crippling anxiety and about doing these things. I was like, Oh, Bo Burnham, he always a person. And it kind of like broke that totally. whole thing down. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just interesting to uh, like when you're younger, that totally idolize people. When you're younger, you do. Yeah. Because yeah. You're, you're looking for heroes and you're looking right. for inspiration and that's fine. But then you grow up and you realize, oh, everybody has these problems. Yep. Everybody, everybody has yeah. their smelly poo poo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's sad, too, because maybe we need to have heroes in order to push ourselves to be better versions of our of of who we are you know maybe yeah. you need to have that that idol that you're reaching for but i um, like that idea of them not being perfect them being when they step up oh i love when they step up right in, in, to use your analogy i think that maybe why we have such an issue with idolization in our society is because of 
uh, letting go of religious idols. You know, we've pretty much killed God, as Nietzsche said, and um, it's only done more than the last hundred years. And so we've replaced that with golden idols in the quest for endless capital gain. But we've also replaced it with rock stars and politicians and the Elon Musks and the Joe Rogans. You know, and it's like, I'm not a Christian and I'm not into organized religion because anytime people are giving away their power, they're going to get manipulated and they're going to, you know, it's a, it's a dark thing. We all know the history's there. Sure. But at the same time, if you idolize Jesus, he may not have even been real. So like he doesn't have any smelly poo poo. Yeah. You know, he's never, you're never going to find out. Oh, and he beat his wife. Like he didn't because we don't even yeah, know if he no existed. There was no TMZ back then. Yeah. yeah, there was no DMT. <laughs> TMZ. Oh, oh my bad. I'm oh, sure, TMZ. I, you can I, see where my head's at. I'm sure DMT was around. In some oh, Christ point. was yeah. definitely hitting the DMT yeah. pens, bro. Yeah. Uh, and Moses with that burning bush, right? Although yeah. maybe that was marijuana. But yeah. anyways, the point is, is like these fictional characters right. are better idols than real people. And I think we do live in whatever you want them to be. Exactly. And that's a psychological tool to help us be the best versions of ourselves is by creating a perfect person that could never exist, but you pretend that they existed so you can work towards it. Whereas now we're like, oh, fuck the Catholic Church, fuck Christianity, Jesus, whatever. Like, so who's my idol? Is it you Paul know? Rudd? Yeah, Paul <laughs> Rudd. <laughs> Smoking like a true Michiganer. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where Paul Rudd's from, but I feel like he's like a Midwest dude. I would hope so. Yeah. You know he's, I mean? he he's got has Midwest that. He vibes, has those ethos. For yeah. sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and if you choose those people to be your idols, they will always fail you, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Well, not Paul Rudd yet. So. Nah. <laughs> I mean, the last movie was so far. So yeah, maybe fine. the younger generation <laughs> would be like, no, they won't fail us. We just have to hold them to high enough standards early on, Which sounds, and we'll actually get perfect people. Do you think Gen Z are going to get perfect exhausting. people? Maybe oh they'll figure it out. I hope they do. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I don't think they will. I think that... Let's go, Gen Z. Give yeah. me some perfect people. <laughs> yeah. Looking for it. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, before we get out of here, last question for you uh, is what does the future of JC Proof look like? What what are some like goals, uh, milestones that you guys want to hit? And then what would you say uh, would be making it or like mm -hmm. end all be all like, oh, in a perfect world, we are this, we are that. Um, so, yeah, any future plans? And then the goals, future plans milestones. is we are releasing singles every month and a half this year. So we've got some great music that's going to be coming out, trickling out all year, followed up by a full album. The album's almost done getting mixed. And once the album's mixed, it'll be available at any of our live shows and to our subscribers online. But we'll be dropping singles on Spotify and streaming platforms along the way, little teasers. Um, and just to kind of have more art, you know, more music videos with that. So that's really exciting. And we're going to be touring back to California in May and up north to uh, Seattle area in Washington, Port Townsend in August. Cool. And that's probably all the touring we're going to do this year. We're kind of focused more on releasing videos and doing stuff with you, Marky. Hell yeah. Um, I would say a goal for the band is to have that live show circuit. I love playing live. I love connecting with people IRL and uh, expanding also out of the West song. Coast. Yeah. Down, down, down. Play live shows. No, not a real <laughs> lyric. So that's definitely a goal is to continue to sustainably travel with the band. Eventually, we want to get to the East Coast, where I'm from. Uh, eventually, we want to get to Europe. You know, we'd, we'd like to take the band on the road and basically get a big enough fan base that we can make it work money-wise. You know, we're not trying right. to get rich, but we have to have enough capital to fly, to drive. Make you it know? make sense. Yeah, to make it make sense. And so 
um, that's that's the long term goal. And, you know, just getting on bigger festival stages and getting asked to do better regional festivals, which just comes from getting your name out there and really just doing the thing consistently. Yeah. You know, the, just like how you started, just ex- get in that community and making, keep making it bigger. Exactly. It's like you need to get lucky. Um, but in order to get lucky, you have to meet the right people. And you also have to just make a quote product, which is really the music. You just have to keep working on the music. And like, I, I believe that our music keeps getting better and I still want it to get better. I'm still learning. And so I'm excited to see what that's going to look like going forward. What does making it feel like? That's, you know, I'm not really into that because I don't really have a goal oriented lifestyle. You know, yeah. I believe that when you get to the top of the mount, when you get to the top of the hill that you were climbing, you just have the view of the next mountain. You know what I mean? So for me, the way I live my life is by putting a point in the distance, a goal in the distance that I think will have the most beautiful path along the way. Right. It's like, oh, I want to walk to that mountain because I hear there's some really good wildflowers along the way. Like, I don't care if I don't get to the top of it. You know, I want to see the flowers along the way. Ha. Huh. Yeah, that's beautiful, though. Yeah, it's a little I mean, trite, but you get me. Yeah, I mean, almost every uh, time I ask that question, they def- we deflect artists. It's, but it's it, there's a reason I'm asking it is to get to that deflection yeah. of the journey is more important than the destination. Sure. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, yeah. we have those moments though where we feel like you when you get when you do hit a checkbox. Like we played Bend last year and we played at like this hostel, and then we came back in the summer and played on a big stage at the fall festival to a bunch more people. And we were like, hell yeah. And I think just seeing the growth is making it as long as you're growing um, and exploring and learning about yourself and your art, yeah. you are making it. Yeah. Love that. Uh, when was the last moment? Cause I've had a couple of them where like you realize that you did something, maybe it's the festival you come home and you're just like, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Like that moment. When was the last time that you really had, was it that festival? Dude, was it-, it was Goodfoot selling 272 tickets. Let's go. Ooh. That was very exciting. Cause that was by far the most people who have ever come to a show. And I wasn't, you know, we were co-headlining, so it was a group effort, yeah. but Jordan Vale, Mr. Vale's math class, the other guy who we threw the show with and Chibia was there too, um, as the first band and another co-headliner. I think we were all just stoked that so many people wanted to come out to enjoy our music because they had heard about us because it was a great bill, because it was a great venue, because we had advertised and promoted enough. Finally figuring that out. Yeah. That was a major achievement. Yeah. Major achievement. Where you just for the maybe the day before, the day after, you're just kind of like, God, that oh, was yeah. so fucking good. No, yeah. you do a good show and you party with your friends and... uh make some irresponsible decisions and then the next day you just 12 hours of sitting in my tiny house right where you're sitting and you know hit a little green and just do nothing because i never feel like i can do nothing so i love having those wins so the next day i'm like yeah i'm gonna do absolutely nothing today i deserve this yeah i'm not gonna even write a song i'm not gonna like nothing yeah love that so um great well dude thanks for uh coming on yeah man but always great you know Knock on wood, we're not gonna uh, lose any recordings here. But uh, hey, if we do, we just get to hang out again. Yeah, Sweet, man. way worse things could happen. For sure. Uh, cool. So yeah, there'll be uh, lots of music, lots of tours, uh, a lot of shows you can go see. Jay, that's right. And then uh, we'll be working on uh, some projects together. So yep. that'll be super fun. More music uh, videos coming. Yeah, love that. Um, cool. I'll plug all your stuff. It'll be great. Plug it. Sweet. Thanks, dude. Thanks, Marky.